Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. God, as we enter into this time this morning, I pray we would pause whatever is on our minds, on our hearts, and on our souls. That we would be open to your truth today. That we would be open to the transforming nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would know today that your love endures forever. That you are a good God. And that you are worthy of a joyful noise. In Jesus' name, amen. When I look at this psalm, I feel like it kind of encompasses a lot of the themes that we've talked about in our sermon series. Literal singing is in this, which means worship is hit. But it also kind of feels like this is a prayer. It also is a celebration of what God is doing in the world around us and has done for generations. And really, when I look at this, I do think it's about celebrating. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That sounds like you're showing up to a party and you're like, yeah, let's celebrate. Am I right? But when I also look at this, I'm confronted by the fact that our world is so broken and our world is a dark place. But even in that darkness, God is still present. And we should seek to worship and celebrate God daily. Because if we are seeking the presence of God through the art of being, we will be led before his feet. And sitting at the feet of Jesus, we have but one response. Worship. But worship can be broken down into a couple of other words, delight, celebrate. We can celebrate the very presence of God before us. In other words, when we find ourselves in the very presence of God, we have but one response. We make a joyful noise. And many of the stories of Jesus that we see throughout the Bible have a theme of celebration woven all throughout it in the fabrics of his teaching. When someone finds something that is lost, there's a celebration. When someone confesses and repents of their sin, there is a celebration. When a miracle takes place, there is a celebration. And whether we believe it or not, miracles still take place today, and we are called to celebrate what God is doing. And so, if it's not obvious enough, Today we are talking about the art of celebration. And yes, there is a spiritual practice called the art of celebration. 
because celebration is our natural response to experiencing and hearing about the redeeming nature and truth of Jesus Christ. We celebrate because even in this broken world, God did not let us sit in the darkness. Instead, he provided us a light. He provided us a savior. And we celebrate when we see that savior at work in this world today. We celebrate when we gather here, we sing songs of worship and celebration to the God of the universe. We celebrate when we hear a message about how this entire book points to a Jesus that loves us and died for us. We celebrate when we see that very nature of God transforming the world around us. We celebrate because it is our natural response to being with God. And we are called to celebrate not just in our communities, but what God is doing in the world. And so I want to start this morning by thanking God for what God has done at Creekside through you, through our service teams, because there are quite often where I'm getting to know someone new at our church and they say they used to be a former pastor. But they love it here because of you, because you treat them like family. This has been a place of healing for so many people because they feel at home. And so I want to take a moment to thank all of our service teams. And if I forget one, I am honestly really sorry. Uh, you can tell me after service. <laughs> but thank you, God, for our worship team, for our greeting team, for our kids' check-in team, for our cafe team, for our kids' classroom volunteers. Thank you, God, for our youth volunteers, for our Connect Table team, for every single staff member, God, that you designed to be here at our church. Thank you, God, for our prayer team, for our elders. Thank you, God, for our women's ministry, for our men's ministry, for our young adults' ministry. Thank you, God, for allowing Creekside to be a place of connection, healing, empowerment, grace, truth, and mercy. And thank you, God, for your work in our church, but also through our church into the world. We should be celebrating and praying for the missionaries that are out on the lines beyond this church walls. We should be praying daily for them. So thank you, God, for all of our Creekside missionaries. Here are a few that we're connected to. Justin and Veronica Crossgrove in Mexico. Katie Hummel in Iraq, Hal and Terry Hansen, who are pastors to pastors in Uganda, Peter Halder with Youth for Christ, and the Prices with Crew. All of these missionaries in situations and places where people feel lost. But these missionaries come in and bring a message of hope and healing to their communities. And it is worthy of of celebrating. It is worthy of celebrating when God is up to something in our communities. So why is it then that we don't begin our days with a joyful noise? Why is it then that throughout the day we're not leaping for joy all the time, celebrating what God is doing all around us? Because if we seek reality, 
we will see that there is the hope of God all around us, but we will also see that there is evil all around us. And when we really peel back the layers, we will see that there is evil inside of us. Because the truth is, we all have secrets. We all have things that we don't want people to know. Thoughts, feelings, actions, past, presents, and futures that we believe are not worthy of celebrating. We all have sin in our lives. And sin eats at us every single day. It's why Paul says, why is it that I do what I don't want to do? We don't celebrate all the time because we're afraid that if we're truly honest with ourselves or if we truly seek to recognize the evil within us, nobody will love us. So instead of confronting the reality of our sin and bringing it to God, we do whatever we can to run from it. We are too afraid, scared, and cowardly to deal with the reality that is right in front of us and the reality that is within us. So instead of looking at our sin and sitting before a God that loves us so much that can shed light and healing on our sins, we escape the reality for a lie. We escape the hope of Jesus to pursue our own pleasures, our comfort, or to be passive. (laughs) And that's not what we are called to do with our sin. You do not need to run from the darkest parts of yourself. When we come face to face with the evil that is within us, we have a choice. We can run from it or we can bring it to Jesus. We can bring it to a a God that loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. We can take our sin and ask that God for help. An example of this is the story of the prodigal son a sermon that I gave not too long ago. And when I studied for the prodigal son, I wasn't really ready for the transformation that was going to take place in my own heart. Because it opened my eyes up to the nature of God in a way that I don't think had been really real to me. Because it helped me see that there is a God that loves me in all my filth and brokenness, Not a God that is judgmental, but a God that will run after me when I turn towards him. The story of the prodigal son is a beautiful example of how there is a loving father that chases after us and redeems us and restores us. Here's a paraphrase of the prodigal son story. There was a wealthy father who had two sons and the youngest son came to his father and asked for his inheritance early this might not seem like a big deal but back in their culture this younger son doing this meant that he was telling his father he wished his father was dead so by doing this the son brings dishonor on the father and the father gives the inheritance to the son Now, when we hear that, as a parent myself, I'm going, what are you doing? Why would you do that? But then when we look at it from a perspective of what Scripture says about God, God will give us what we pursue. If we pursue God, he gives us 
himself. If we pursue other things, that's what we'll get. So back to the story. The son then takes his inheritance and goes out and wastes it. Completely spends it all like a young kid with their first paycheck. This young man, after wasting all of his inheritance, finds himself in a pig pen taking care of pigs, which is the lowest of low for a Jewish man. This was very unclean. So not only did he bring dishonor on his father, but he brought dishonor on himself. And now he was considered unclean. And it's at this point that this young man goes, the servants in my father's house are cared for better for me, or better than I am cared for now. What should I do? And he comes up with this idea to come to his father and say, Dad, I'm sorry. Please accept me as one of your servants. And then he begins a journey home. And this is honestly where the story like completely <laughs> wrecks me because this young man has sinned against his father. He has brought dishonor on his father. And yet when the father sees his son walking towards him, the father gets up and runs and embraces his son. Which means that the fact that his son was unclean, now the father is unclean. This is what God does with us. And it's at this point in the story, after the father embraces his son, that the son then begins to confess and ask the father for forgiveness. And the father responds by clothing his son and throwing his son a party. Notice that when the son confesses, to the father. The father did not respond with condemnation. The father did not respond with judgment. Instead, the father decided to clothe his son and to throw a party for his son. This is what we are called to do for one another because it's what God does for us. We learn from this story that confession is a pathway to restoration and celebration. It was turning towards the father that made the father run after his son. But it was the confession that brought this child back into restoration. And no matter how dark your life is or how deep your sin is, when you take a step towards God, he shows up. It may not be in the way that you want it to be. It may not be in the way that you dreamed your life would be, but when you take a step towards God, he runs out and embraces you in the way that you need. Because God is always present if we open ourselves up to him. And celebration is our way of celebrating all that God has done in others and in us, but confession Confession is a way to invite forgiveness into our lives from the freedom available in the grace of God. Celebration and confession relate because we should always celebrate when someone confesses to us. Remember what the Father did in this story. After the confession, the Father clothed his son and threw him a celebration. 
When someone confesses, we must realize that they are bringing the darkest part of themselves into the light. And we have to remember that Jesus died for every single sin. We need to not let shame stop us from confessing. Because sin and evil will lead us to destruction, but Jesus will lead us to healing and restoration. The Holy Spirit may convict you of sin that you have done, but our God is not a God that shames you. Put another way, the Holy Spirit will correct and teach you, but the Holy Spirit will never degrade you. A matter of fact, we see how God truly responds to us and to the process of confession in 1 John 1. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John 1, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 10. First off, First John 5 through 10 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Let's take a look at the very first verse. We get to see a glimpse of who God is in that verse. He is light, and in him there is no darkness. And this mirrors the idea that is present in the Gospel of John, John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the reality of life is that there is a darkness all around us and within us. But the light of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any darkness. And that's why in the very next verse, verse 6, it talks about how we're not meant to walk in darkness. As followers of Jesus, if we continue to walk in darkness, we are lying to ourselves and we are not practicing the truth. And as followers of Jesus, we do this all the time. Jesus calls us to pray for our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. But what do we do with our enemies and those who persecute us? We let it darken our souls. We become angry, we gossip, we slander, we judge. But we are called to walk in the light. And we see what happens in verse 7 when we walk in the light. We have fellowship with one another. Last time I checked, gossip, slander, and judgment don't lead to fellowship. But if we are Christians and followers of Jesus, we are meant to walk in the light. We are meant to have fellowship with one another. 
And all because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And the truth is we are all sinners and we need Jesus to cleanse us from all of our sin on a daily moment by moment basis. And that is why in verse 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. By admitting that we are sinners and need Jesus, we are showing that Jesus truly is in our hearts and he is the king of our lives. And the beautiful thing is when we admit this, we are confessing to God our sins. And we see what happens in verse 9 when we confess our sins. That God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the power of confession. It allows us to receive forgiveness and begin a process of restoration. When we confess, God is faithful to forgive us. And don't fool yourself. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Nobody wants to be a liar. We all have sinned. And when we look at these verses paired with the story of the prodigal son, we see the value of confession. And confession, by definition, is the acknowledgement of one's wrongdoing. So who then are we called to confess to? It seems to me that we are called to confess to God and others. As we see in 1 John 1, 9, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness, which means that we are meant to share our sins with him. The truth is that Jesus is the light of the world, and when we share the darkest pieces of ourself, Jesus begins to share his light with us even more. In fact, there's a psalm, Psalm 139, verses 11 through 12 that say this. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, God. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. We are not meant to hide in the dark. We are meant to bring our sins, our fears, and our insecurities to God so he can shine his truth on them. There is freedom in confessing things to God, and there is freedom in confessing things to one another. Discipleship takes place when we confess things to one another. And there is something beautiful that happens when we confess. We see that not only are we human, but the people around us are also human. There have been so many times that I go to somebody I really trust, that I admire, and I share with them a deep sin in my life. And the response is, thank you for telling me. Oh yeah, that same, same for me. We think that the darkness inside of us is the only darkness in the world, but that's not true. There is darkness in all of us. Every single one of us has darkness in us. And when we share about our sin, sin has less power over us. 
when we share with one another, we can then encourage one another. We can then hold one another accountable. Now, I do want to give you a warning because I have heard from other people that when there have been sermons on confession, that means that people just start confessing things left and right to everybody and gossip starts happening, slander starts happening, judgment starts happening. And so my warning to you all about confessing is only confess something to someone that you would go to for advice. Why? Because if you trust that they have a good character enough for you to ask advice from, they should know how to handle your confession. Unless, of course, you have sinned against someone, then I do recommend you go and confess to them and ask for forgiveness. And I do know that there are Christians out there that do not believe that they need to confess to anyone other than God. And to be honest, I used to be one of those people, mostly because I didn't want to confess to anybody. But I want to remind you of what James 5.16 says. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Let's not underestimate the power of confession and prayer for one another. It has the power to provide healing to those who need it. With that said, if someone comes up to you and confesses their sins to you, your natural response should be to thank them. Thank them for having the courage to come up to you and share these things. They just shared a deep, dark thing in their lives with you. Remind that person as well that by doing this, they're taking a step towards freedom. Pray for them. Encourage them. Meet their courage with a prayer of courage. It is not easy to drag sin and darkness into the light, but it is through that process and regularly doing that process that we begin to find freedom from these deep-rooted addictions and sins in our lives. And this process takes time, and honestly, it hurts. <laughs> but the hardest part about sin is that it has consequences. You can't take a piece of wood and put a nail in it with a hammer and then take the nail out and there not be damage to the wood. That happens. But even with confession, sin takes time to heal from. But confession is our pathway to that freedom and hope. Why? Well, Jesus says that the truth sets us free. Dallas Willard says, Nothing is more supportive of right behavior than open truth. John Mark Homer says, For confession to yield not just forgiveness, but freedom, it must drag our sin into the light, not keep them in solitary confinement. Confession is our pathway to freedom. And in that pathway, you will have to confront your own darkness. You cannot avoid it. The reason confession is a part of the Art of Being series is because as we sit with God, the Holy Spirit will bring stuff up within us. 
we will begin to understand that there is sin in us that we've been avoiding for years. Don't avoid the darkness. Darkness may be within you and all around us, but God is bigger than the darkness. He is the light and hope in the darkest of places. And this idea of darkness and hope really hit me hard um, this week, actually, as I processed a movie that some of us from this congregation went and saw. The movie is called The Sound of Freedom. And one, I highly recommend that every single person go watch this movie, but I will be honest with you, it will be one of the most difficult movies you will ever watch. Why? Because it's about sex trafficking. It's about kids being pulled away from their parents and sold into slavery. And if you watch this movie, it will wreck you. But this movie is important because if we don't talk about sex trafficking or address it, nothing will change. And yes, this movie is based upon a real life. On real life, it's based on the story of a man named Tim Ballard. And Tim fights to find kids in sex trafficking and he seeks to set them free. And it is an amazing story of one man's resolve to do the work of God. That God's children are not for sale. And at the end of the movie, there's a little message about who the real heroes of the movie are. And Jim Caviezel, the actor who plays Tim Ballard, shows up on the screen and he shares that the real hero of the story is the kids. Why? Because they never gave up hope. They took care of one another even in the darkest of situations. And as I've thought about this movie and really, honestly, the last three weeks of my life, I've realized something. That when we pursue reality, we are confronted by two truths. The first is that there is evil in this world. And the second is that there is hope in this world. Evil is very real. It is all around us and it is within us. But the only way to step away from evil is to take a step towards hope. The truth is that the hope of God is all around us. And Jesus Christ is that hope. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that hope. That evil will not go unpunished. And yet at the exact same time, the fact that we accept Jesus into our hearts means that we have a pathway to eternity with him. And when we see someone step away from the evil of this world out of the darkness and towards the light of hope, that is worthy of celebrating. Don't be afraid to seek the light of Jesus Christ. And so this week, I want to invite you into two things. The first is this. Thank God for something every morning. Every single morning, thank God for something. The fact that we're breathing, the fact that we're able to come to church today, the fact that you have a car, 
Thank God for your family. Thank God for something. And the second thing I want to invite you into is the art of confession. Now, this is a little bit harder. This is a little bit scary, right? Don't be afraid. We're family. In a moment, the worship team will come back up and we're going to head into a time of worship. During those three songs, there will be mature, trustworthy prayer warriors up here in the front of the church. And I want to invite you to take a step out of the dark to come to the light. Now, that does not mean that up here is more powerful than anywhere else in this building. But a lot of times when we do worship, it's dim out there. But up here, it's still light. And so as a symbol of what's going on in your heart, as a symbol of taking a step of courage, walk to the front. Talk to somebody that's up here. Confess, ask for prayer. Or maybe you're saying, honestly, Nathan, that seems terrifying and that's really hard, but I can walk to the front. I would encourage you to walk up here and pray around this stage. Kneel, pray, ask God to help you. It's at this moment that I want to invite up our prayer team. I want to invite back up the worship team as well. And as I said, this is a judgment-free zone. But as our worship team heads up and as our prayer team walks up as well, I want to share this with you. That maybe for the first time you are being confronted with the reality that there is evil in your heart and that there is evil all around you. Maybe for the first time you're hearing the gospel of Jesus, that the God that created the entire universe would send his son as a sacrificial lamb for us so we can experience freedom from death and sin. If this is the first time you are hearing this message, I recommend that you also come up. You can pray right here or you can talk to one of these lovely people and ask them more about who Jesus is. Who is this man that would come and die for me? Let's not sit in the dark. Let's celebrate what God is doing. So Lord, as we head into a time of prayer, as we head into a time of worship, Lord, I pray that we would make a joyful noise because there's freedom. There's freedom in confession. Because when we confess, you are faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And Lord, we have done so much unrighteousness. So Lord, I pray for our congregation that they would have the courage to confess to you, Lord. And if they feel led, I pray that they would have the courage to take the steps towards the stage and be embraced by people that love them and want to pray for them. In Jesus' name, amen.